2: Now I may have it all wrong, see if you know what love means, well what somebody tell me Cause they just don't believe in me. Won't believe in me,
0: you would you Three minutes past nine o'clock, it's the 14th of February 2024. Listening to SCNZ, Steve Devine and Ricardo doing a super job through to nine o'clock. While Izzy's on the the donut, as Ricardo said in his words. (laughs) Quite good, really. Uh, Fantastic day. Dawn down here in Canterbury. Beautiful. I hope it's well for you around the country. Just did a little scan of Met service. It looks like it's uh, stonking. Actually, Brian, a little weather check with you. I'm up in Auckland this weekend with Waiheke Island for a bit of a, a, a wedding do. How's, how's the weather up there? Just give me the vibe. It's beautiful.
3: Uh, it's a bit chilly in the mornings, but um, it just yeah. by the afternoon it's stonking hot.
0: It's That's February, late February for you. We are halfway through the second month of the year and we've got a, a nice little one hour show to get you through to the test cricket coverage live from Seddon Park uh, with Daniel McCarty and his cohort from 10 o'clock here on SCNZ. So, Louis here to see you through till 10, and I want to do some talk back with you. 800 around 9.30. Let's talk the cricket. Rachin Ravindra, chin, as they seem to be affectionately calling him. Fantastic. Taking wickets for fun after he was scoring runs for fun. That's awesome. I'll tell you what was awesome. It was actually good to see the South Africans be able to dig in. What did you make of their decision to bowl... Sorry, to bat first... Um, I thought it was pretty brave, but, you know, as it browned off, it got better and better and better, and they actually managed to hang in there a little bit at the end. So, what do you make of that? Uh, double eight, double three. or give me a call, 0800 150 And is anybody else worried about Kyle Jameson? He's left out, and... It seemed more precautionary than rest. So it seems like he has a bit of back soreness, which is not good. Willow Rourke, though, you got a good look at him playing test cricket for the first time. He took a wicket. He's tall. He bowls heavy. And he was actually still bowling fast later into his spells as well he was still bowling around that 137 kilometer an hour mark late in the day so what do you make of the cricket at Seddon Park I want to do some talk back with you at about 9:30 this morning anything else including maybe you want to talk a little bit of Tom Abercrombie because uh Brian yesterday we heard from Tom Abercrombie as, as he gave us some um uh, pretty emotional news
4: um see if I can get through this, but thank you everyone um, for coming out today. After 16 years at the BNZ Breakers, I'll be retiring from all professional basketball at the end of the season. Basketball has been a massive part of my life for as long as I can remember, Um, providing me countless joys and experiences and all good things must come to an end. I'm very at peace with this decision. I've been so lucky to spend my entire career playing for the
2: Breakers, my hometown team, in front of my friends and family.
0: Well, a company man right to the end, really. The BNZ Breakers, I mean, that says it all. He's a legend of New Zealand basketball, of New Zealand sport. And he's, uh, after signposting it for a while, he's decided to move on. 16 long, beautiful seasons. A man who shared four championships with them and a lot of playing time on the court is Alex Pledger. We, we get to chat to Alex every once in a while on SCNZ. He's very good with his time. Morning, mate. How are, how are you? Good well, morning. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yesterday, it's um, we've probably been waiting for a little bit, but he's battled back through some injuries for uh, some severe injuries actually over the last couple of years, and he's um, been doing a hell of a job for the club he loves so much. But we heard that officially, this is maybe the last home game Friday night for Tom Abercrombie for your beloved Breakers as well, Alex. It's um, an amazing career and a a pretty special bloke, isn't he? Yeah,
4: it's uh, it's a pretty phenomenal career, spending uh, sixteen. um sixteen years with, with one team and, you know, staying there through the um like like the academy years and he was a development player and then yeah, I don't think um not just for the breakers, but I think you'd struggle to find a you know, a kind of beginning to end kind of tenure with one club like that. Um, yeah, it's uh um, you know, he's kind of the, the one person left behind from the um you know, like those, those championship years. And, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be sad to see him go. But um, just listening to that, uh, that interview, he, um, he sounded like he was at peace with it and he's happy with the choice he's made. And, um, yeah, I'm honestly not sure of the exact playoff picture and what has to happen over the remaining games for them to, to make the playoffs. But, um, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll be able to send them off with, with ring number five.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be a hell of an effort considering, and I don't know how much you've watched this year, Alex, but the injuries they've been through and and Anthony Lamb's um, recent ones are a pretty devastating blow. Look, basically, if they can beat the Bullets on Friday night, they give themselves a very good chance, and it's all but, you know, secured that they'll be playing. And if they can beat the 36ers as well, they definitely will be. They're right in that sixth position at the moment. But very, very good chance that they won't have another home game. You make the point, 16 seasons, it's kind of Dirk Nowitzki-esque, isn't it? We're kind of looking around um, modern professional sports teams, wondering how many more of these sort of one-club men you're going to get. Or women as well, I suppose. And Steph Curry's hanging in there with the Warriors. Um, but the, the further it goes on the, and the longer the, the tenure goes on, the kind of harder it can be for sometimes for the team and the player to justify staying there. So it, it clearly shows that he's got a special bond with the breakers.
4: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's, as I mentioned before, you know, not many, I, I think you'd struggle to find throughout the history of the NBL, one player, a guy being with one club for that long, And I think, you know, the fact that he's been there for so long, um, obviously he's been an incredibly productive player on court um, through the majority of his career. Obviously over the last year or so he's, um, you know, slowed down a little bit in terms of production and that happens to everyone when they get a little bit older. But, um, you know, just his overall IQ and his smarts, and just his leadership qualities and overall character. You know, um, you know, a lot of basketball fans judge whether a player is useful. Um, you know, they just look at their stats and go, "Oh, yeah, that guy's good or that guy's bad." But they don't necessarily realise the impact that they can have in the locker room with younger guys on the team, and just their overall influence beyond what you see in the. Um, in the stats, and um, and that's part of the reason why he's been there for so long. He's a high character guy, um, has really good leadership qualities, and um, and yeah, he's just he's just had a phenomenal run.
0: Do you, you must have been right around the time that it was his first year or early years as well? Were you a year after? Tom at the Breakers, do you, do you? What do you remember about those early years before the finals runs in the in the championship? Like going back to two thousand and nine, I think might have been your first year, was it, Alex?
4: God, you're testing my memory here.
0: Um, I th- yeah, two thousand and
4: nine was my first year. Like I was a development player that year, and that was his. That was his first year as. Uh, like a fully contracted player and the year before that he was a development player. So, um, so he, he, yeah, so he was a development player the year before I was, so he was there for, uh, for one year before, but, um, yeah, obviously he was, um, you know, not many guys, especially from New Zealand, um, have that type of, you know, with his size and just his overall, uh, athletic, talents being able to jump the way he could and move the way he could um (laughs) you know there aren't or not could still can but um you know there aren't many guys from new zealand that kind of have all of those physical abilities kind of wrapped into one person sometimes they'll get the quickness and the athletic ability but they won't be very tall or they'll be tall but they won't have you know having a combination of all those things there haven't been many people that have come through uh you know basketball in new zealand that have all of them wrapped into one person and uh you're yeah, just watching them make improvement uh, after improvement year after year i think can't remember what year it was it might have been the year we won the second championship um he was first team all nbl and yes. was you know and was probably um was probably the best two-way player in the league in terms of you know being a, an impact player both on offense and on defense so you know seeing him uh you know get to those heights um you know he he was one of those players that when you were on his team you kind of he he'd, he'd be one of those guys that would make just one or two highlight plays a game where it was kind of like He's the only player in the league that could do that, whether it was catching a crazy alley-oop or, you know, blocking a shot that requires a 50-inch jump. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you'd kind of, you'd kind of just have to remember that there's still a game going on, and you can't just get caught up in, you know, watching for these highlight plays that he was capable of making. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was um, yeah, it was uh, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to be along for you know 9 or 10 of those uh 16 years that he was
0: there oh, it was, a, it was a, I mean those are it's kind of it's funny eh like as time goes on what we're 2024 now like thinking back to and it must be so fond for you thinking back to those 2011 and 12 14 seasons and and um like it's just what a team you guys had like the, the some of the characters on that team and the way that you guys played and you kind of had the whole country behind you it was pretty special memories for me as a, a like a fan I can only imagine that like when you get chances to think back when you got you know I mean this is probably the last year teammates that'll retire <laughs> to, to be fair because you guys are all getting old on but it's um it's pretty amazing and just to your point around being an all-round player how about this Alex he's most appearances, four two five points, four thousand four hundred and thirty four. Most field goals, field golds made, um, fifteen hundred and thirty six. Most three pointers made, five hundred and sixty eight. Free throws, seven nine four. Steals, blocks, as well. I mean, when you kind of put it like that, obviously longevity comes into it. But you talk about an all around skill set, don't you?
4: Yeah. Well, so he finally finally took my blocks to record did he I might have to come out of retirement and try and get it back <laughs> but um but yeah that that but that just um yeah that just speaks to um you know his not just his overall talents but um you know being able to sustain such a high level for such a long time um you know there are guys who can be who can be good for a little while and then you know for whatever reason age or you know, th- there are a lot of injuries. There are lots of things that can cause it, but you know, being able to, you know, stay at such a high level for such a long time, um, yeah, not not many people have had the ability to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's amazing, really. Did he ever put one on you in in a um, like a gym run? You know, he, he obviously smoked Jaron Jackson Jr. that one time, which is actually that's <laughs> aged so well. Because he's yeah, gone on to with be him, like a,
4: with him a defensive yeah, player of the year. Yeah.
0: that's right. Yeah, like, um, You know,
4: yeah, there probably was. I don't remember one quite that bad, but there's if you watch through the practice tape, practice tapes. There's probably one in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well we'll,
0: well, we'll move straight on. Hey, um, the, the, the league has obviously come a long way as well from... I mean, that's the other thing. Like, he's kind of... And you too, to a degree. Like, from the, the late 2000s through to now, it's completely... Especially now, it's a completely different shape and face of the league, isn't it? Obviously, imports have been a massive part of it, but with the kind of next star element nowadays... Um, the you know, it's a very commercial league now, the NBL. And um, I, I, I don't know, do, ha, do you feel the way that the, the game is played in the NBL and basketball is played in this part of the world has changed in the kind of the 15, 16 years that Tom was playing and, and when you were there as well?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously just in regards to the league, you know, if you look at the, um, you know, just the, how things have improved, from you know 10 years ago to now in terms of just where the league is in terms of the imports and talent that it's able to recruit um to bring in the the next star program means that the you know the the nba scouts um and nba teams and gms and stuff uh you know keeping a very eye close eye on those on this league not only um not only for you know, those next star players, but seeing if there are any other kind of hidden gems in this part of the world as well. You know, quite a few players who weren't next stars, you know, have gone on to have um, careers in the NBA uh, over the last couple of years. And um, again, you know, the quality of imports, moving the league, moving from um, two imports to having three um, and just, you know, improvements to the salary cap, meaning that they can recruit that type of talent um and yeah it's just phenomenal to see how much the league has grown over that time and how it continues to grow and um yeah in terms of the the style of game you know it has it's not just evolved in uh in the australian league you know it's evolving worldwide in terms of the you know how fast you know how fast people play and you know where they you know, people say it's becoming kind of positionless, you know, it's not, you know, you don't have your kind of stereotypical, you know, point guard, shooting guard, you know, your two forwards and your center. It's kind of, you know, you have a lot of versatility among lineups with guys who can switch on defense and defend multiple positions and are multi-skilled at the offensive end. I think just the game globally, um, you know, has really has really started to improve, and you see that with, the, you know, the international players who are kind of taking over the NBA at the moment. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah.
4: Not, not not yeah not not just in the NBL, but the game worldwide. Um, you know, it's just continuing to improve and uh, and get better.
0: Yeah, there is. A, I know what you mean. Like um, that kind of team ball ball movement, um, hyper offense sort of style, and those European guys kind of come through and and know how to play and. Um, you know, an emphasis on on moving it, it definitely has kind of um, hit the NBA between the eyes. Admittedly, I do watch more NBA than NBL, so I'm not 100% sure if this is the case. But it just seems like the game is so gamed towards offense at the moment. It's not a problem, but it might be heading towards that way. It seems like defenses are are pretty helpless. You kind of wonder where it's going to get to, and like you kind of assume that everything slows down in the playoffs. But I kind of would hate to see like a... Hundred and thirty eight plays hundred and thirty four playoff game, or or you know, like deep into the the regular season when the chips are down. But it's guys are like hurtling into guys, getting fouls, um, left, right, and center. The the kind of high velocity or high amount of three points that shots that are kind of chucked up. It does kind of seem like it's a little bit out of control offensively.
4: Yeah, it's a, a lot of the rules, especially in the NBA, are um, you know, are geared towards you know, higher scoring with, you know, like the NBA is the only league in the world where unless you're physically touching somebody, you're not allowed to stand in the paint and play defense, which would make it tough for someone like me, especially back in those days. But, um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, you know, the, the, the game, you know, and just the emphasis on certain things, you know, it is kind of geared towards, um, you know, higher higher scoring, I think, but at the same time, you know, because I, I watch a lot of NBA games as well, and sometimes, you know, I think just the overall talent and skill level and just shot-making ability of and, like, overall athleticism and skill combined with, you know, like, you look at some of these players, you know, there's, you know, for the Spurs, you know, there's a seven foot four guy who can handle the ball and shoot and do all the stuff off the dribble, which you know, 15 years ago, if you were that tall, you were taught to run straight to the basket and do nothing else. Um, so yeah, I think it's also yeah some some of the rules are geared around you know higher higher scoring output, but at the same time, you know, these guys are so talented it's kind of like you know, you can play perfect defence and they just knock down a shot anyway. So I think it's a, a combination of just, you know, the, some of the rules favoring offence and, you know, the players being so good that um, you know, there's only so much you can do sometimes. You can have a game plan and do all sorts of things and, you know, you have Wim Banyama or Kevin Durant or all these other seven foot guys Doing all this crazy stuff and just making shots anyway, so yeah, I think it's yeah. uh, I think I think it's a it's a combination of those two things. I
0: think yeah, it's a good point, like the evolution, and that's the old adage, right? Like a, a, an unbelievable offense is gonna beat unbelievable defense, and especially with the evolution of it and the shot making, it's a really good point. I'll, I'll just last one, and then we'll let you crack on. You you bring him up, Victor Wimbenyama yesterday he puts up 27. So this is for those people that might not watch a lot of NBA. He's a twenty-year-old French kid and um, he's kind of been touted all the way through he's 7 foot 100 and he's in the nba and he's just kind of like he's like freaky to watch it's kind of it's kind of breaks your head yesterday he put up 27 points on 10 of 14 shooting two of four from three points so 50% from the beyond the arc 14 rebounds he had five assists he had two steals and he had 10 blocks so he's three steals away from a 5 by 5 with a triple-double with 10 blocks. Have you even kind of got to a point in your brain where you wonder what one of his stat lines might look like in a couple of years' time? And, and you know, like, can we even comprehend what he is about to do to the NBA as far as some of the numbers he's about to put up?
4: Yeah, it's it's pretty scary that, um, you know, he's like a 20-point, 20, 10-rebound, 20. you know, I think he's averaging like three or three and a half blocks, something like that per game. As a rookie, he's played, I think he's, he's played probably 45, 50 games. And this is the worst he's going to be. <laughs> he's going to... <laughs> he, he's, yeah, th- This is this is probably the worst version of him that you will see until he gets to that later on stage in his career and he starts to slow down just like everyone. But yeah, he's yeah there's as i said before there's never there's never been anyone like him in the nba before a guy with that size who can handle the ball and can shoot and basically a a guard who's you know four inches taller than i am um yeah there's there's never been there's never been anyone like him it's kind of like he could be like and on top of that he's not just a he's he's not a guy with you know a 40 inch vertical or anything like that but he's um very fluid he moves very well um he's insanely skilled um yeah he's gonna be uh you know people talk about triple doubles he's gonna be he'll probably you know i think there's been three of them in nba history where someone has uh, a quadruple double um he I think by the time his career's done he'll probably add himself to that list. He's just yeah, he's Giannis, K D, Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert combined <laughs> he has you take all the best things from those guys and, and take all the good things from those guys and wrap it up into one player um, yeah there's there's, nev- there's never there hasn't been anyone like him in NBA history before and it's going to be fun uh, watching his career unfold
0: I'm just trying to imagine in my head you bringing the ball up the court kind of putting it through your legs like then stepping oh. and then pulling up on oh. the fast break for like a, a oh. deep three Um I'm just
4: trying. Yeah, if I dribbled the ball more than two times, something bad <laughs> normally happened. So, um, so yeah, I was I wasn't a guy who uh, who handled the ball too much when I was out there. So watching this seven foot four guy do it, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty impressive and fun to watch.
0: Alex, I've stolen so much of your time, mate. Really, really grateful. Um, nice words on Tom Abercrombie and Victor Wimbenyaba as well. I'm sure he won't mind. Um, <laughs> appreciate it, mate. Go well. Cool. thank you. Yeah. Alex Pledger, he is a four-time NBL champion uh, alongside Tom Abercrombie. Um, he's a legend in his own right, Alex Pledger, and he's obviously fought back um, some some uh, a bit of adversity of his own with bowel cancer and a adver- uh, big campaigner for that in recent years. So, yeah, really good bloke and some nice words on Tom Abercrombie. And, yeah, if you haven't seen Victor Wimbanyama, just do everybody a favour and just Google his highlights yesterday. Just punch him into Google and then just watch his yesterday's highlights. Fascinating. Very, very interesting. Right. Let's do some talkback. 800 150 You can talk Tom Abercrombie. You can talk NBA. You can talk racing. You can talk Super Rugby. But you probably want to talk cricket, considering we're bang in the middle of a, a test match against South Africa. Willow Rourke. How impressive was he? 14 overs, 3 maidens, 47 runs, took a wicket early on in his spell, but it was his pace and the, the nature he was bowling, the heavy ball that he was bowling late in the day. Um, Neil Wagner, nice to see wags going around again, and he was swinging it, wasn't he? Uh, Rachin Ravindra. What's the ceiling on Rachin Ravindra as an all-rounder? Do we want him bowling this much spin? Very, very interesting that he got given the ball and then it just he kinda couldn't couldn't give it up because he was bowling so well. Twenty one overs in the end, equal most with Tim Souther yesterday, eight maidens, three wickets for thirty three. a uh, just wonderful spell of bowling from Rachin Ravindra. And Kyle Jameson. Look, are we going to have a scenario where Kyle Jamieson is is only going to be available for one or maybe none of these Australian tests? Uh, That's kind of a bit of a query for me. The T20 side has been named. Trent Bolt is back. No Kane Williamson. No Daryl Mitchell. Trent Bolt back playing. Josh Clarkson gets a run. Mitchell Santner to captain them. Um, What do we do with Mitchell Santner? Anybody actually judging from your text to me last week, I d- guess we weren't pouring one out for Mitchell Santon and missing this test here. Do you want him to play against Australia now that he's not there? We don't need him because of Ratch and Revenger What do you make of it? 0800 Come on, let's do some talk back here on SCNZ before we handball it off to the test commentary team from Sennon Park at 10am this morning. Back in a sec.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: six minutes away from 10 o'clock. Give me a call. Let's talk some cricket. 0800-150-811. I'd love to hear from you before we get back to our test cricket coverage from 10 o'clock at Seddon Park. What I'd like to know is, are you concerned about Kyle Jameson's absence from this test match? Reading the tea leaves, he's had... Wow, this isn't reading the tea leaves. He has had major back injuries, and he's got back soreness, and I think they're worried. Will O'Rourke the saving grace for you? Can Will O'Rourke be our next long term fast bowler for the test side and the in the black caps moving forward? And Mitchell Santner's absence, mixed with Rachin Ravindra's three for thirty three, very frugal one point five seven economy rate, does that give you more confidence that There's almost no chance that Gary Stead's going to play a spinner against Australia at the Basin and at Hagley Oval. Are they going to rock and roll with Ratch and Revenger and, and, you know, Glenn Phillips at a pinch? Reading the tea leaves. and the T20 side, the Josh Clarkson fan club. You'd have to be thrilled, wouldn't you? Trent Bolt back into the mix. Mitchell Santner to captain that side. Uh, 0800-150-811. We'd love to hear from you on the cricket. Any questions, any thoughts, any queries, any concerns? Come on through before we get back to the guys at 10 o'clock from Seddon Park. Uh, Yesterday, of course, they were there, and it was nice to see Neil Wagner get the ball. I know a lot of you saying it's his tribute match. Um, I'll never rule out Neil Wagner, knowing especially the injuries that that Test fast bowlers do suffer. I thought he bowled really well. He's just lost his pace, hasn't he? You know, down in the the mid-125s. But in all reality, Neil Wagner is still going hard, and he caught up with Daniel McCarty, after the day's play.
3: With me after a long day in the field, how do you feel about the state of the game?
1: Yeah, I thought they batted pretty well. Um, the wicket, obviously a lot slower, I guess, and more tennis bully than we thought. I thought it might be a fraction quicker, will get quicker as the day goes on, and it sort of got slower as it went on. Um, made our job pretty tough, I thought we hung in there. Um, Stick to oh, being obviously patient in our areas And uh, credit to the guys who hung it's a handy little player isn't he? Yeah he's very handy um, He's worked very hard on his bowling And it's nice to see him get the rewards for it he, he bowled beautifully out there today And a little bit of assistance here for him Like I said the slowish nature made it quite hard To just sort of score off him Or I guess sort of hit the ball um, Into different areas So that created chances as well And he, he bowled lovely partnership bowling With all the other seamers from the other end Which is um, what it's about So yeah credit to him He bowled beautifully today What were the plans? for the seniors oh, I guess stay patient. Um, the game patience. keep, uh, I guess, hitting our areas, uh, expecting them to make a mistake. And, and like I said, I thought we did that. Um, they just didn't make those mistakes as, as often as we would have liked. Um, they didn't really come at us as hard as we thought. They might come in certain areas, um, and that, that obviously gets back to that just staying patient for longer, um, not giving him anything to score. And I thought they they played really well. So credit with courage too.
3: Yeah, it seems like you wanted to pitch the ball up, get it to swing. It did swing, you know, from both ends throughout. Didn't go too much short stuff, you know. Was that due to the nature of the track too?
1: Yeah, a little bit of the nature mm-hmm. of the track, and also there was swinging conditions. So we thought, it fought, you know, with. Pitch a ball up and with it swinging and nipping around, that's uh, the best ask. But seeing in those referring, I guess, referrals of the LBWs and that going just over the stumps, just I guess uh, shows that, that nature of the tennis ball bounce and the slowish sort of bounce in the wicket. Um, that it was quite hard to get LBW or bowled, um, and then that takes caught behind obviously out of it as well. Had to try and bowl out a fraction fuller, but as soon as you missed two full, it was easy to score. So a bit of cat and mouse sort of stuff, but yeah, I think as the game unfolds and go through long, you know, longer, I guess, in, in day two, day three, you might see. Some of the short ball stuff a little bit more, I guess. I'll, I'll get you out on this one. What's a good score? Oh, you can't really mm. say too much. Yeah. I mean, we're going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be the best time to bowl in it. Be a bit of gear around, but I guess fresh sort of legs um, and then bowl well. If we get a couple of quick wickets, um, hopefully get through them and then try and bat well in, in partnerships like we did last week. Neil, appreciate your time. All the best for the remainder of the test. Thank you.
2: than that probably aren't really spinners' wickets. It looks like we're going to go for four seamers and a couple of all-rounders who could bowl a few overs. Now, yesterday, Ravindra bowled well. He bowled 23 overs. Now, if he didn't bowl well, who was going to bowl all those overs? Was Wagner going to have to bowl 10 more? I just didn't see too much life in those bowlers we had. You know, for a, a team that was... I saw that Van Tonda when he started. He didn't look that flash. He looked like he was a blocker, who tried to bark everything on his toes and, and try and whisk everything off that was short. He didn't look that flash at all, and the other guy wasn't, couldn't get a run. Now, to have them 6 for 150 and they get 220 for 6 at the end of the day after 10 overs of new ball showed we were a bit toothless with that new ball. Um, yeah, I
0: did. Hif, I do think I do think the conditions really eased in. And, and remember, they, they batted first. Maybe South Africa need a bit of credit here for reading the pitch a little bit better than us. Yes, it was green and there was grass on it, but, I mean, it, it looked like it was pretty. And you heard Neil Wagner there. They, they weren't getting a lot out of it. I think that it's actually been a bit of a blessing that we've picked Neil Wagner here because I, I fear that we're going to have to go back to the short stuff for a, a decent patch of this test match. On your, your Mitchell Santner point, It's interesting, isn't it, because a lot of people didn't agree with his selection in general, but probably on the premise that they would have preferred Ajaz Patel. They still think that we should be going in with a spinner, and you make a good point, because without Ravindra yesterday, if they took to Ravindra, what was going to happen? What would we have been left with?
2: Well, we'd, we'd have had to have bowled our seamers a lot more, and they weren't really offering a lot. You know, like Saudi bowled... 20-20 overs, and he didn't get a wicket. He really didn't look that dangerous. He kept bowling uh, around the wicket, which wasn't doing a lot. He was better, I would think, bowling over. But at the end of the day, if A. J. Patel never even got a contract, the guy doesn't even get paid by New Zealand cricket, doesn't get picked in any teams, and we still talk about him as though he could be playing, but it looks like they don't want him because he's not a good enough batsman. Mm. We,
0: yeah, well,
2: with...
0: I, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the betting. I mean, it would be a, it would be a bizarre reason to not, a, not pick a. Uh a spinner that's taken 10 wickets in in innings. And, you know, I know that's different conditions than a few years ago, but he never really got a fair shake that he age as? I I think it's more our mentality around spinners, Cliff. Look, I appreciate you, Cole. I think you made some good points there, actually, around Ratch and Revenger and and some of the team selection. Here's a text from Patrick. Hi, Louis. I fear a little for Ratch and Revenger. Off what Cliff's saying, Reid being used as an all-rounder. If he was playing for Aussie, he would hardly ever bowl. Not because they have Nathan Lyon, because they wouldn't want to ruin his batting talent. Get Riverindra batting at four and bowl him minimally. Phillips batting at six, also bowling very minimally. Bat Blundell at seven. Have Ajaz Patel in place of Santner as our spinner. Here we go. Ozzie will be licking their lips at the thought of playing against Santner in the test. I don't think he's going to play. Get rid of Wagner, who is bowling at a very insipid pace at the moment. Was swinging it, though. Uh, selections need to be absolutely spot on just to compete with Aussie. Patrick from Ashburton. I do agree with that last comment. We get one chance. We don't even get a chance, Patrick. We get half a chance, and we have to maximise it. We have to squeeze the lemon to get as much out of it against Australia. Uh, text here, unnamed text him. Kyle Jameson equals Corey Anderson 2.0. I can only assume you mean all the talent, but maybe not the uh, the body to hold together and get through it. And um, somebody said, Doombin Race 1 number 2 wins for fun. Doombin Race 1 number 2 wins for fun. Explosive Tycoon, Tony Golan. Okay, $2.10. Well, somebody, Dino's asked for a winner at Taupo, Topor, I should say. How's this one? I can give you one at Doombin via an unnamed texter. Race 1 number 2 wins for fun. Maybe put it through your multis, Explosive Tycoon, right from from the right barn with James Orman doing the riding. Uh, I have found one or two at Topor that I can give you Dino. What I want to do is I want to go double-check them, and then I'll come back. It's a really tough day, though, so I'm not that confident. We'll be back with the other side, and I'll give you a little love racing update.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Ten away from ten. Let's keep talking cricket. We've got Josh in Auckland. Josh has the 09 this morning, mate.
3: G'day, Louie. Cheers having me, mate. She's uh, sunshine and rainbows on a cloud in the sky, which is all good stuff.
0: Very good. Now, you've obviously been watching the uh, cricket yesterday. We're back. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Kyle Jameson. I'm a little bit worried about what we're going to do with the spinner against Australia. But Willow Rourke's a bit of a bright spot for me. What about you?
3: Yeah, very much so. I think uh, to get 14 overs out of the young fella at uh, you know 5.30pm after a long day in the sun and he's bowling constant high 130s and he was you know, constantly at the batsman with that heavy ball. Um, yeah, it was it was it was good to watch. I think just on South Africa, also as Wagner said in that interview, just give them a little bit of credit. Say, the boys kept coming at them. Uh, they didn't leave too much last night in that last session. Um, they weren't as reckless as they were in the first test. So I think a little bit of credit to that bottom order just constantly staying strong.
0: Is that, you know, when, when they're reaching out and actually getting bat on ball and, and playing shots, and DeSwart was really good at that, does that put a bit of pressure on the bowling side, do you think, in the unit, a little bit? You know, obviously, as Wag said, you love to see the ball going past the bat, and when it's not doing that, it's kind of a little bit frustrating, is it?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it causes a, a change of game plan a little bit amongst the, uh, the bowling group. But, um, yeah, Will was... He was, as I said, a heavy ball, and he was constantly at the stumps, constantly at the bat, so he didn't really do too much wrong, Um, and he he played his role by the looks. They just stayed strong.
0: Okay, then I'll get you out on this one, Josh. Um, We've got Australia coming here. We obviously know it's the big one. Spinner or no Spinner, a.k.a. Santner or no Santner in the best 11 to face Australia?
3: Yeah, I think we've got to go Santner. Um, not only for his, his just cricketing ability, but just his experience as well. When we do go through a flat period, because it does happen in Test cricket, um, you know they'll probably bowl Nathan Lyon for long periods as they always do. Um, but I think we've got to go Santner. Um, you definitely have him in the side, yeah. And if we have to sort of go with one less pace bowler, I think there's uh, no harm in doing that either. There's always room for Ajaz to tell, in my opinion. He's not picked as an all rounder, so his batting, as touched on earlier, probably shouldn't come into play. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Good thoughts. I don't know if they'll go back to Ajaz. He seems like he's on the outer, but I, I like. It. Look, Mitchell Santner, he continues to be one of the more vexed cricketers in New Zealand. That's Josh in Auckland. Bang. Haggards talk back. Very good. Appreciate that, Josh. Uh, oh, Dino, I'm going to tip you the winner, and potentially, hopefully, the winner, up after this. Just keep listening, mate. We'll be back to wrap the hour after this.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Okay, let's wrap the show up and handball it across to McCarty, Smithy, Coney and co down there at Seddon Park for a uh, another wonderful day of Test Cricket. Louis, do you have a winner at Taupo today? Well, I've looked so hard for you, Dino, just for you. And honestly, there's a couple of well-bred fillies that I don't know if I want to back, but I want to watch. Irish, Irish Legacy in race four and... Ilimitado in race two both from the wellwood james barn they know how to deal with a very well-bred horse maybe if you wanted to have a small bet, lorado race three each way eight dollars two forty more on the place than the win lorado race three eight dollars two forty i'll give you that each way but i couldn't find anything i love to be honest dino um apologies for that Morning team, should have dropped Southie for Santner. Easy to say afterwards, but I don't think Southie can do it against the Aussie batters. They will murder him. Gentle slowdowns. Cheers, Cameron. Oh, Cameron. I appreciate that you've got an opinion, but I've got to disagree. I think Southie's swinging it and bowling in, in zones as good as he ever has. Yes, he's slower, but oh, I don't think he can be dropped with your captain. Um, what do we have here? Nothing wrong with Rachin bowling. It's not like he's going to forget how to bat, and actually Aussie's to give the ball to Marnus and Mitch Marsh to bowl as well. Yeah, look, long-term, he's definitely a batting stud. But there's no issue with him bowling, especially if he bowls as well as he did yesterday. Test
2: cricket on SCNZ. Wonderful. Love it. McCarty up next.